Welcome to Sexuality After, the place we have real, raw conversations about how sexuality shifts and changes throughout our lives, especially after religion, parenthood, trauma, and loss. I hope by listening to these stories, you're inspired to leave shame behind. Embrace your sexuality wherever it is right now and know that you're not alone in the weird and wild experiences we all go through. Welcome to this episode of Sexuality After. I'm very excited to have with me Megan Nadula from Montreal. Um, So if you just want to introduce yourself and talk a little bit about who you are and what you do, and then we'll go from there. Sure. So I am and have been known for quite a long time as Megan the doula, Um, you know, decided that I would just make it easy for people looking for me online to make a website. Um, So I work as a doula and I've been doing that for 10 years now. Um, And so really, it was my own experiences of, you know, giving birth and, and being involved in the whole world of pregnancy that really fueled me to um, get into this line of work. Um, But also, my inspiration, I guess, being from like this matriarchal family that I come from of um, what happens to be a long line of women who don't necessarily enjoy all of the aspects of parenting um, and it being a little bit maybe more challenging for us to kind of balance all of the places that we want to be in our lives at the same time. Um, I really got into this line of work to help other people go through all of those transitions because um, it's not just as simple as like popping out a baby and like, oh, there you go. I You've know. got like a baby on the breast and like everything's <laughs> natural and beautiful. You know, yeah. it was very difficult for me to make the transition. And I see that with other people, especially people who are, um, you know, maybe a little bit older as a lot of people are these days, you know, you've established a career, you've got a whole bunch of life experiences under your belt. And now you have a baby and you're just like, wait a minute, <laughs> what, what am I doing now? I just sit around with this baby and this doesn't feel very productive, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's a big part of um, why I do this is really to help normalize, you know, this whole aspect of life for people that it, you know, becoming a mom doesn't necessarily change every aspect of yourself. It certainly changes your life, you know? So, yeah. So I have a, um, I guess you could call it a doula agency at this point, um, which is called bump and glow. So I've got, you know, a team of other doulas who work for me as well. And so, uh, you know, we're really working with people at any point during pregnancy and, um, I do a lot of um, teaching as well because I'm just, I'm a talker, as you may find out from this. Um, but yeah, I really love to just share ideas with people and, and see where people are at and super excited to be here. That's amazing. Sexuality with you. Totally. Um, I, from what I can see on your blog and what even what you just said, you seem to really teach people and be passionate about people understanding about life after giving birth and having kids and what that looks mm-hmm. like. And like you said, kind of incorporating motherhood with who you are as a person, like it can be easy to lose ourselves after. Right. And like you said, be like, well, this isn't productive, just nursing a baby all the time. And so where you go from that and how to figure that all out, like that also seems yeah. to be part of your jam. Yeah, definitely. Cool. Yeah. I think the pregnancy part for a lot of people 
you know, it just kind of unfolds and there are for sure a lot of questions and the birth experience itself like has a huge sort of ramp up of excitement and it kind of feels like that's where the experience culminates in like the birth. Yeah. And then I, I, I know for me, it was like, after I gave birth, I was like, oh shit, (laughs) I've actually got to take this baby home now. And like, take care of it somehow, you know? And so I see that happening to a lot of people also where it does become that kind of like daily grind of like, Oh my God, I have to, I have to do this baby thing every day. It wasn't just like one day at the birth, you know, where I give birth and like, ta-da, you know, no, all the focus, you're right. Like all the focus is on the birth, which is, don't get me wrong. It's important and painful and, you know, like big, Yeah, but it's like, one day of your life or like right. three max. And then yeah. you have a new baby <laughs> at home every day. And you're like, what the fuck do I do with this thing? Yeah, exactly. Totally. Cool. Yeah. Okay. Um, I found Megan through her blog and she had a blog series on getting it on after kids or motherhood. I forget exactly what it was called, but yeah, it's called moms who get it on <laughs> moms who get it on. Yes. So I love that you've talked about sexuality in your blog because that's an aspect, as you know, of motherhood and life after birth that people don't talk about that much, right. even with their friends. And there's a lot of shame and am I doing it right? And why don't I want to have sex? Why do I want to have lots of sex? Like, it's whatever. Yeah. Everybody's always feeling like whatever they're going through is not what other people are going through yeah. for some reason. Totally. Very much this sense of like, I'm the only one who's ever experienced this ever in my, in, in life, you know, yeah. it's like, mm, no, not really. <laughs> right. That's so true though. That's, yeah. I think where a lot of shame comes from, which is why I'm having this podcast in the first place. Yeah. Um, can we hear about um, part of whatever you feel comfortable sharing about your own experience of kind of growing up, like your basic beliefs, going into marriage, into kids, and then how kids affected your sexuality? Sure. I mean, going into, you know, being married, I got married. um, I'm now separated. Um, I got married when I was what I thought very experienced in terms of all different sort of things in life, but specifically sex. I was like, I have sowed my wild oats. I have had, you know, multiple we don't need to name the number but like multiple partners enough to know that like you know this person who I really love is like also an appropriate you know sexual partner and you know it was it was like yeah sure like let's we're in love let's do this let's get married and and have some babies and uh, obviously now looking back I'm almost 38 years old I was 26 when we got married and then I was pregnant right away afterwards, but I was like, I am very, you know, I'm like midway through my twenties. Like I have, you know, I've experienced all the things that I need to experience in order to, you know, know that this is just going to be it, you know? Right. Um, and so I had sort of learned a little bit, I guess, in my upbringing, um, you know, my mom was a younger mom. Uh, you know, I didn't have this idea that like, oh, I've got to accomplish like all of these other things first before having babies. And it didn't really feel like there wasn't a whole lot of like one way of thinking or another about sex really in my family growing up. So it wasn't like, there was no shame in like, it was, uh, you you were going to sleep with people before you got married. That was, you know, definitely like something that was open in our family. Um, But it wasn't like, 
oh, you've got to, you know, like try out different things and make sure that you've got this established career or like finish an education or it was very much kind of like, whatever, you're in love. Cool. Let's, you want to get married? Okay. You know, so I kind of went into it without really any idea of like where that was going to bring me next. You know, I just thought it was like another like milestone of like, cool, people do this. Like you have kids and then you figure out your life as you go along. Yeah, you know, and and I mean, that's definitely how it's worked out. Um, but I don't think I was necessarily ready for like how life changing the having children aspect is going to be <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> on everything. But specifically, you know, as we're talking about sex right now, just like, that's not the same thing at all as like being in your early 20s and just like you get to do what you want when you want and you have sex when you feel like it. <laughs> and, and, you know, you're like, your body is, you know, not necessarily perfect, but you feel pretty good about it because it hasn't, you know, gone through any sort of experience such as gaining 55 pounds and then like pushing out a giant baby and then figuring out how to recover from that you know so it was just kind of like yeah you do it when you feel like it and you always you have time for it you know I I got as much sleep as I needed before I had babies there was never any kind of (laughs) like thought process around it you know maybe Mm -hmm. in certain periods it was like oh it's maybe been a little while we've been busy or or whatever but it was nothing like it was after having kids where you like, it was completely different. I also don't know that there is any way to prepare for life after a baby. Like no matter how much you read, the only people I think that have some idea of what it's like before they have their own kids is someone who's like a nanny. Yeah. And like even then it's not the same. Yeah. <laughs> even then it's not the same because you mm-hmm. can go to bed at night usually. Right. I have a good sleep, but um, yeah, there's nothing that can really prepare you. <laughs> no, no. I, you know, and I, I teach prenatal classes and I say that sometimes like, you know, about every subject that we talk about, it goes in one ear and out the other because people hear ultimately what they want to hear. Like what fits my narrative in this story? And in this story, when I tell people, your baby's probably going to sleep like shit and you're going to be resentful about the lack of sleep that you get. Um, they don't hear that. They're like, no, I'm, I'm going to figure out a way for my baby to sleep when I feel like they should sleep. And I will, of course, like get as much sleep as necessary because I require a lot of sleep. And I'm like, okay, well, good luck. You know? <laughs> I've like, read five I books on sleep. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. My baby's going to abide by the books. Right, exactly. Right? <laughs> my baby is going to be completely different than every other baby because my experience yes. is so unique. Again, like yeah. believes that their experience is going to be so unique. And and people don't want to hear that like probably you will be plagued by all the same issues as everybody else who's ever had a baby in the history of time. Yes. <laughs> it's just how it goes. That's true. So true. Yeah. Um so what happened with your body and your sex life and sexuality after having a baby? I mean, I write about this a little bit in the, in the blog that I think that you read and I reread it just before we were going to have this conversation to, to see like, what exactly did I put out there? You know, cause I was, I get pretty excited about writing stuff and sometimes I say, you know, too much, but um, I remember like, I felt really great in my body you know, I was getting married. So I was like, I was really fit, you know, but I got pregnant a month, I think after we got married. And I was probably at like my, my ideal, you know, size and that 
isn't really saying anything because I, I'm not super attached to that sort of thing, but I felt really good. So during my pregnancy, you know, starting off at like a lower weight than maybe I normally would even be at, you know, at the end of my pregnancy, my, my husband at the time and I joked that I had like reverse body dysmorphia where I thought I looked really amazing and like not as pregnant as I did. Right. And then, you know, we were out one day and I saw someone point to me and go, oh my God. And I was like, are they pointing at me? Like, and he's like, yeah, you're literally as big as a house. Like you're huge. You're like 41 weeks pregnant and you're giant. And I was like, I feel amazing. Like I was wearing, you know, head to toe, just like tight spandex clothes, like everywhere I went, I did not care. It was just like, you know, because my belly had always been, I'd always had sort of like a pot belly. And so for me during pregnancy, I was like, this round belly is now like the feature of me physically. I look great. Like it felt like it kind of hid that sort of, you know, pot belly that I had. So I was like, I'm just showing everything off. Like I felt great and wonderful, you know? Um, And like I said, I gained quite a bit of weight. Um, And then after giving birth, you know, feeling sort of like a mixture of, you know, I had this, I had a ginormous baby. My first baby was 11 pounds. So that was like, yeah, pretty intense. Yeah. Um, And so obviously I lost quite a bit of weight at the delivery. And then, you know, (laughs) in the first few weeks afterwards, just, you know, not really eating properly, being super stressed out about just like, you know, feeding and like all, all of this stuff, you know, that comes with having a baby. And, and so, Physically, when I look back at those pictures, I lost probably all my pregnancy weight in the first couple of months, you know, and, but I also kind of look a little bit like empty, like an empty shell of someone who's just like barely existing on, you know, the food and vitamin D and sleep and, and whatever else that, that I was, you know, kind of scraping by on. So, um, you know, in terms of like that, it wasn't, there was no situation where I was like, Oh, I hate the way I look. I don't like my body is like, I didn't feel that at all. But I do remember going to um, the six week follow up appointment. And this is like a big thing for I think a lot of people Mm -hmm. when they have a baby for the first time, usually, where you're expected to, I guess, at that six week appointment, someone is going to sort of ask you or talk to you about like, starting sex again, like resuming sex, like a lot of partners, like men, especially are like, okay, like, here we go, six week appointment, we're gonna get to like, get the green light, you know, some people call it that like green light to like start going crazy and having sex again. And I remember my, my midwife looking at us and she was like, so like, have you guys had sex yet? And I thought like, oh, I wasn't supposed to for six weeks. So I was like, phew, right? So then we get to this appointment and she's asking me and I'm like, no. And then I'm kind of like, my husband's sort of sitting there like, you know, very patiently. uh, uh, And I'm like, no, like the thought had not even crossed my mind. I was like, when, in what world are you living, lady? Like where, when, where, and how would I be doing this sex? Like, (laughs) There's no time in my life for that. Like, I don't have time to get enough sleep. Uh, This baby wakes up all the time. Like, there was no, oh, like, leisurely, we can just do it whenever feeling. It would would have to just fit into, like, the time between one thing and another. And that's not Mm -hmm. very sexy for me. I am, like, more of a, you know, unscheduled kind of person. So that was a huge thing for me. And really, I, I think it probably was three months before we even ended up having sex, you know, and I had had like 
stitches, you know, on the perineum that obviously this 11 pound baby had created a little bit of damage. So there was that aspect as well. But I think for me, it was just the kind of like overwhelm of the whole thing. Like, when do you want me to schedule in this sex that you speak of, you know? And like, typically I had been someone who thought, okay, and and still do that, you know, I don't want to do like a 10 minute sex thing. I'm not going to do it if it, if it's going to fit into this, like, I'm like, let's draw it out. Like it's going to yeah. take like, you know, a super long time. And then maybe there's breaks and we're chatting and it's like, you know, it's a whole oh, big thing for me, you know? So, so like nice. that <laughs> idea of sex and a child, like those two they do, do not, not go together no. at all. No, no, no. So that's what happened. <laughs> I love it. Before this um, interview, I was trying to remember like my son is four right now. So I was trying to remember back to my experience. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I also thought that you weren't supposed to have sex uh, until right. six weeks. Mm-hmm. And I don't remember if it was at six weeks or like maybe eight weeks that we tried and it was painful. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I didn't like, I didn't expect it to quite be that painful. Yeah. And like, we had sex after that, but it was, it was always kind of a working up to it and like lots of lube lot because it's like hurting. Right. And then over, yeah. I think it took like a year before it stopped hurting. Yeah. And that's, I think a more common experience than people think, you know, like I tell people, if you are not used to using lubricant, <laughs> you're going to have to get used to it and like get over the stigma of that being something that's like, I don't know, abnormal, or maybe for some people it might be too kinky. I don't really know what the stigma behind using lube is for some people, but the hormones of like breastfeeding specifically, but even just like the the physical nature of birth, it leaves a mark, you know, and that that does take time to sort of heal. So it is really kind of like, okay, you're going to have to ease back into it. I warn people about that, you know, like the first few times, you know, it may feel like the first few times you had sex, like way back whenever you started having sex, you know, you might need to like work around the intercourse portion of things for quite a while. And that could be really fun, or it could be really like disappointing for some people, you know. Uh, But I think, yeah, this idea that, you know, someone's going to say, okay, by six weeks, you're, you're, you're physically ready, even if you're physically ready, doesn't mean you're emotionally ready or mentally ready. It doesn't mean that you've even thought about it. For some people, yes, they're like aching, like they can't wait, you know? And I'm like, as soon as you're not bleeding, you've healed, like go for it, yeah. you know? But I think it's more of this idea of like, ding, 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 the six weeks is up. There goes your, you know, grace period of, you know, being a new mom. And now you've just got to get back to whatever your old routine was. Like that doesn't make any sense for most people. Totally. Yeah. So how did you find your way through that um, period? Uh, Like maybe the first year or two, how did you shift? Like, did you shift your mentality about, you know, sex, you want sex to take like a long time? Cause I love that, but like, (laughs) I mean, that's vacation sex without your kid. Like, yeah. (laughs) I don't know. Little kids in general, it's hard to find. Right. Time when you both have energy and you have two hours to have sex. Like, that never happens. Yeah. (laughs) It's got to be, I mean, it's a combination of things, really. Like, 
in terms of like how did ultimately we navigate it, I I don't want to be disappointing and say like ultimately I don't know if we ever really did. You know, it's fair though. Um, yeah, I mean, l- like I said earlier, I'm now separated. So this this husband of mine who navigated all of this with me, um, you know, bless him. Like we didn't, you know, make it through that together necessarily. Totally. Um, I think it was. It was hard for us for sure because of like really back to the scheduling conflicts of, you know, he, he was working at night a lot. He was a musician. So like the times where eventually you do get to have some breaks when like babies do start to sleep more at night, like we weren't together during those times, you know, the time that we spent together was time that we were parenting together, you know, with our two kind of weird schedules of like this musician and this doula and like raising this baby kind of thing. It was like, it was the three of us like all the time, you know? So, I mean, we kind of found our ways back to each other, you know, but not to the point where either of us were really satisfied with where things were. But I think that was just sort of a general thing that was happening in terms of like our life together. You know, we had another baby together. So, I mean, we definitely had sex once, (laughs) you know, (laughs) but it wasn't like (laughs) we weren't back to, you know, what either one of us, would have considered like the frequency that that we had been at. Um, so I don't know necessarily like how long it t- takes the average person, but I do know that, you know, a few years later after kind of like really having a bit of a hard time with all this, um, coming across this great article, which of course like helps me, you know, be better at my, my job, understanding kind of the postpartum experience, um, you know, just reading about hormones after birth and how it takes a full two years for a woman's hormones to completely restabilize. And it was funny because when I read it, I had passed that two year period and I was like, Oh, that makes complete and total sense because at two years was kind of what I call like coming out of the fog for me, where I was like, I looked in the mirror and I was like, Oh my God, there you are. You're still there. Right. This person that I knew always existed, but for some reason, I was just too tired, too overwhelmed. I was too in like the baby world, which was great because I was totally in it. Like we were, you know, fully immersed in parenting. Um, But there were parts of myself that I was like, I guess it's gone, you know, and then I saw it and I was like, oh my God, she's still, she's still in there. You know, this little like sexy little vixen who, you know has all of these desires for not just sex, but other things in life. Also, I was like, Oh my God, I'm not just this like baby maker, breastfeeder. And now of course I had become a doula. So like everything in my life revolved around the idea of motherhood, right? I ate, slept, breathed, breastfed, everything I did, my job, like didn't matter what I was talking about. It had something to do with babies. Totally. You know? So as soon as that fog started to clear a little bit, I was like, oh, like I started kind of, you know, reaching out to friends again to like kind of socialize. And like, I started to see myself, I started to dress a little bit differently because I was like, okay. And of course, right around that time, we have another baby, (laughs) you know, so like back down into it, (laughs) you know, but I think that that's really important for people to realize that like, you can't expect that, you know, your body is not going to know what just happened. You know, and the body mind connection is so strong that, you know, people fighting this idea of like, don't look like you just had a baby, like, oh, you, you know, you, you're dressing like a new mom or, you know, when we have like on the cover of magazines, like, you know, whatever latest celebrity has just given birth and like, she doesn't even look like she just had a baby. This is like what people are saying as a compliment, you know, and it just further reinforces to moms that like, it's not hot to be a mom. 
you shouldn't look like a mom. You shouldn't like dress like a mom. Like, you know, I have friends without kids who are like mom jeans and I'm like, I can't wear mom jeans. I am a mom. So like mom <laughs> jeans on me do not look the way they are intended mom to look. Mom jeans only look good on 17 year olds. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I'm like, I need to wear teenager jeans so that <laughs> yeah. I look good. I can't wear the jeans for the people like me, exactly. you know? And so when society has this whole idea that like moms shouldn't look like moms because being a mom is not really hot unless it's this stereotypical MILF from a movie, you know, where she's like beyond those mom years, she's a mom of teenagers, right? Like that's sexy because now she's much older. She's the cougar, you know, but like a mom with like, you know, the old Navy droopy t-shirt and like the (laughs) yoga pants that she's worn three days in a row with the stroller at the park, like, Nobody finds that sexy. But then my husband would go out with the baby in a baby carrier to like take a walk or go to the grocery store and it would take him forever. And he'd come home like, what the hell were you doing? He's like, everyone stops me. Everyone wants to talk to me. Everybody's poking their head at the baby. They want the, oh my God, look at you. It's so amazing. You know, dads get like a little bit of a dad bod and everyone's like, oh, so sexy, right? Like it's the complete opposite for them. As soon as they become a parent and if they're actually good at it, everyone's like, wow, (laughs) you know? And then if a mom is like fully in her mom role, everyone's like, oh, well, she used to be pretty or she used to be sexy. You know, it's it's totally screwed up. (laughs) Totally a double standard. Yeah. 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 Um, what do you wish society was instead? Like if you could create society. Oh God, if I could create society, I mean, around this specifically. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Um, I mean, obviously I would hope that people would be able to embrace like the interchangeable roles that parents can have, but also really that, that people understood, you know, like how much, energy it does take to, you know, grow a baby, birth a baby, take care of the baby, and then to do it to the standard that we're held to, you know, as mothers specifically, like it makes it impossible for us to really balance other things. You know, like if you're doing really well at one thing, I would be pretty sure that you're failing in another place in your life, you know? And so, yeah, for sure. If if we celebrated moms the way that we celebrated dads for the same standards and levels, I mean, you would be able to have moms who wouldn't feel so guilty all the time. You know, I deal a lot with that sort of thing in my in my line of work. You know, and I've never been the the guilty type. Like I am like I don't have guilt in terms of like taking care of myself or anything. Like if I throw myself into something, it's because I want to, you know, and I don't try to martyr myself for it. But I think a lot of people do feel guilty. They feel guilty if they take time for themselves. They feel guilty if they're not doing all the things, you know, like you're not showing up with the cupcakes and you're not sleep deprived because you've been caring for this baby so much. Like if we were able to maybe like let go of the micromanaging of aspect of parenting and delegate things to maybe our partners or other people to help us. Like I just wish this whole like equality thing would actually show up in parenting because it's taking a really long time to get there. If you ask me. Yeah. Even just the standards that society has for moms versus dads. Right. Like Ali Wong, this comedian, I don't know if you've seen her stand up, Mm -hmm. but it's like, she's totally, seven months pregnant, uh, you know, on her Netflix special. And 
And one of the best lines is that she's sort of ranting about how hard it is to be pregnant and, you know, and, and how, you know, her husband like showed up to the ultrasound and everyone's like, Oh my God, he went to the ultrasound. And she's like, so did I, if I wasn't here, there would be no <laughs> ultrasound, you know? Right. And then she says, why does it take so little for a dad to be a good dad? And so little for a mom to be a shitty mom, Totally, you know? Yeah. So yeah, I think we need to, to take a look at, at how we're distributing our expectations because then if you wouldn't be looking around going like, why is this woman so, you know, such a like slob who doesn't take care of herself and her self-esteem is down the drain. Why doesn't she feel sexy? Hmm. I don't know. Maybe she's tired. Maybe yeah. she needs a shower first. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> that helps. <laughs> totally. Yeah. yeah. I can't agree with you more on that. Um, what is one myth around, um, sex or sexuality after having a baby that you want, you would want to debunk? Ooh. Um, I mean, I feel like there's a lot of things that people expect, um, on like different sides of the coin. So I think, you know, we definitely have a lot of myths that like moms, you know, don't want to have sex anymore, or they're too tired, similar to all the things that I've just said. But then there is a whole other side of the coin. And this is what I found through, you know, talking with women that like, some moms are fully horny and turned on like, you know, to the maximum after having babies. And, you know, I have a friend of mine who I interviewed for that blog series who said that, you know, she was like two weeks postpartum and just like lying in bed with her partner and breastfeeding. And she was like, so turned on by the by their roles as parents, that it was just like, put the baby to the side and like, let's have sex right now, you know, because this is just so hot. And I think that sometimes people don't necessarily see parenting in that sort of way. Like, there's a whole connection you know, and, and I mean, you've given birth and you're, you know, like you, you know what, what it is to experience childbirth. And some people are really taken aback by how sensual or sexual the experience can kind of be. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like, well, it's all the same body parts, <laughs> you know, that most people typically will use to make a baby and then give birth to the baby. And so, you know, especially too, with like breastfeeding and just everything, it's like, it's all very much connected, you know? So there is something that can be so sexy about a mom that doesn't have to be taken to this context of like movie MILF. It could really just be like, wow, look at you being such a good parent. (laughs) Like that's such a turn on, you know? Personally, after being a parent, I find other parents sexier than people that aren't in general, Mm -hmm. I find. Right. Um, Just because of... I don't know. They're just more connected to life and to themselves. And and I think it's I also like, it wow, you can like, do hard things, you know, like you look yeah, at them and you're like, just like respect there. Yes. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> totally. Totally. I totally feel like that when I see like, you know, men, women, whoever out and about, I'm just like, most of the time with women, I'm not like, oh my gosh, she's so sexy. I'm just kind of thinking like, yeah, queen, like you got this. Totally. Like, I, you know, I'm I'm much more likely to offer help to someone like just my own bias who's like pushing a stroller, has kids. Like, do you need me to carry something? What do you, do you want me to buy your groceries? Like what, what's going yeah. on? You know, I'm just like, yeah. I want to help them. And then of <laughs> yeah. course, when I see dads, I'm like, hello, hot dad. <laughs> you yeah. Know? Cause like, look at you caring for that baby. It's just very primitive yeah. part of our brains, I think. Totally. I know that the same thing can happen to guys too. Like there's a lot of guys I know that I've talked to that are parents that feel the same way. 
they find moms like way sexier than uh, non-moms. Yeah. <laughs> that kind of yeah. sounds bad, I guess, but it's kind of the reversal anyway. So let's own it. Yeah. Um, I think there is like, there is still happen. kind of a little bit of that um, like fetish, you know, the fetishization, yeah. I guess, of like moms. Yeah. You know, um, which whatever, I'm cool. I'm cool with yeah. that. Like if I walk around and people think I'm attractive specifically because they know I'm a mom, I'm like, whatever. That's yeah. cool. I'll take you it. Know. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. yeah. I'm really glad you brought up as well that some women feel really sexual after giving birth and they really want sex. Um mm-hmm. I remember sex felt really good, like more pleasure, pleasurable after giving birth. I think just because there's right. like a lot of blood down there, whatever. Um, my extra sensitivity lasted for quite a while as well. So that was nice. It was like, yeah. it hurts. But then once I get over that and, you know, we <laughs> like, warm that the up, then it feels like, like extra good. So that's good. Yeah. I've heard that a lot. It's like from, yeah. you know, just chit chat with all sorts of different women. Like I remember one woman that just, casually somehow this is a conversation that I get into because of the kind of person that I am but I'll casually at a kid's birthday party talking with this woman I had just met about her sex life and she said you know when my first was born it was like he turned off all the lights down there but then when my second was born it's like he turned on all the like turned them all back on and I think it's really interesting to you know think about like yeah the fact that like giving birth can totally affect even like physically the sensations that someone has, you know, um, hopefully for the better and not for the worse, but obviously both happen. But yeah, I think sometimes we just keep them totally separate. Like I work with a lot of couples and, and, you know, specifically with men as partners who are like, I'm not going to watch the process of, um, birth because I don't want it to like change the way I see her or her vagina. Yeah. And I'm like, uh, you're, definitely going to watch and I won't force you, but you're for sure going to want to look because you're curious and what you see is going to change the way you see her, but not the way you think you're not going to feel worthy to be in the same room as her after that. That's how you're going to see her. You're going to see her as like this superhuman version of the woman you thought you knew. You're not going to think it's gross. Yeah. That gave <laughs> right? me goosebumps. Like, That's totally yeah. was my husband's experience too. Right. Yeah. How can you watch that? And you know, and I've witness many births you can't see that kind of thing and be like man bodies are just whatever <laughs> like no you know <laughs> I was lucky enough to be at two of my sister's births I was like wow oh my yeah. god you're you're a superhuman <laughs> this is amazing I know you just can't even believe what people <sighs> go through you know so yeah totally yeah. cool yeah. um oh I was gonna mention I know a lady who the day after she gave birth she was ridiculously horny and she was like um my vagina doesn't feel ready but like let's have anal sex (laughs) and so they had like crazy anal sex (laughs) and you know I mean that happens too and I feel like there could be a lot of shame for women that feel that way too like they could be like oh like I thought I wasn't supposed to be horny or not want sex Mm -hmm. what's wrong with me that I do want sex and um, even what you were saying about being turned on by like being a parent or taking care of a baby, yeah. there could be a lot of shame around that too. Like, Oh, is my baby turning me on? Like what's going on here? Yep. Can, do you find that? Or can you speak to that at all about people you've worked with? I mean, I think it just exists 
when sex is involved in the conversation, I think the word shame follows very closely after we're, yeah. you know, doesn't really matter what the topic is. I think, I think there's always some version of that. I think, um, I don't know necessarily that people talk about it so much if everything's going well, like, and for most people going well means that like the expectations that their partner or society has for them is matching up with their reality, which is like, you just kind of get back into the swing of things, you know? And so for some people, I think maybe like feeling, you know, super turned on, they're just kind of like, yay, phew, you know, like that thing that I thought might happen didn't happen to me. I think it's a lot more common to hear the other side of things where Mm -hmm. people are like, hi, um, you know, I haven't had sex in two years, like fully married in a relationship, raising children with someone, not having sex with them ever, not having sex with other people. Like, it's just a, you know, and, and I've heard a lot of women say, I think I'm asexual now, you know, and like having this belief that like their sexuality has been zapped and it's gone, never to be seen again. Um, you know, and I usually urge them to look deeper into that because I'm pretty sure it's there. You're just expecting it to be, um, you know, responsive to things that it is no longer responsive to, Yeah. you know, because we change as people. Right. So I think that, that, yeah, there is like a lot of shame when, when we're in a supposedly happy situation, which most people are. When they're like, we had a baby together. No one's going to be like, we had a baby together. And now we don't even touch each other, you know, because you're supposed to be now like this happy family unit. And that's very shameful, I think, for people who are truly in love with their partner and truly in love with having that baby. And truly don't want to have sex. (laughs) And truly don't (laughs) want to have sex, you know? And so they're like, wow. Uh, I can never tell anyone this because people are going to think I don't love him or they're going to think I don't love having this baby. I can't talk about the fact that like having the baby probably killed my sex drive. Yeah. You know, and who do you even go and talk to about that? You know, it's not like there's like sex therapists just like all over the place. It's not that people, you know, some people don't want to reach out to that person. They might not be able to talk to your friends, your family doctor is going to be probably pretty useless, you know, if you bring that sort of topic up. So it's like, people are kind of like, okay, well, I guess, and plus I don't really want to. So how much do I want to fix this problem? (laughs) Right? Like when I'm feeling pretty apathetic about the thing, the whole thing in general, like whatever, I'll just watch TV, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Um, So in that kind of situation, how important how like in general too, how important do you think our sexuality is to our well-being? And so do you feel like people should just be like, I'm I'm asexual now, that's okay. Or should they like be trying to get their sexuality back uh, or reconnect with it? And if they do, how do you advise them to do that? Like, is that part of what you do as a doula or is that more? I mean, that's not really part of what I do professionally. I would say personally, like I've always sort of been you know, going back to like teenage years, like I've always been the like girl talk girlfriend. Like Mm -hmm. I'm always up for like talking about sex. Like I'll get random messages from someone who's like, I, you know, a friend obviously who's like, I don't know who else to talk to about this. Like, can we talk about it? I'm like, Oh my God. Yes. Like, it's like my favorite (laughs) thing. Um, you know, so I've always, you know, on a personal level, been someone who I think has those types of conversations with people, but professionally, like people don't, you know, pay me for sex advice, (laughs) Um, but I'll give it if they want it. Um, You know, so I think 
personally and you know generally two different things like for me i felt you know very frustrated and very concerned when i felt like where did my libido go like how am i going to get back to that because that was a big part of who i was and sort of part of my life you know like you know i went from having all sorts of different sexual experiences and and wanting it in different ways and places and times and all of that stuff to like I would rather just eat a bowl of ice cream, you know, but like, also like, why do I only want to eat this bowl of ice cream? That did not sit well with me, you know? So I knew personally, I had to find a way out of that. And I did, thankfully, because it is something that's super important for me. But do I necessarily think it's important for everybody? I don't know. I think for sure, there are some people who are probably totally fine, just, you know, with changes in their libido and it doesn't affect them necessarily as much. I just like there are some people who get really, really affected by, you know, maybe like their paycheck or the type of car that they're driving. I'm like, I don't care what kind of car I drive. Like that doesn't bother me. And maybe someone feels like that about their sex life. I don't know. But I think it's, it's the place in between where people are like, yeah, I think I'm asexual now. And I'm like, are you sure? Are you really like, sure about that because I'm pretty sure if like some hot celebrity crush like started sexting you you would get totally turned on and if they came and showed up at your door with no baggage no like you know you didn't wash their dirty clothes you haven't been like nagging them about their you know lack of parenting skills like there's nothing surrounding that experience other than just like getting your you know (laughs) like brains fucked out of your head like I'm pretty sure you would go for it, yeah. you know? And I think that's a, that if they're like, yeah, you know, you're right. Actually, that would be pretty hot. I'm like, then that's not very asexual, yeah. you know, because someone who's asexual truly doesn't need any sort of sexual like stimulation in their life, you know? And so I think to confuse a drop in libido with just being like, I don't need sex. I've resigned myself to that. I'm like, mm, I don't know. I don't know if we necessarily change just like that. Yep. You know? Yep. And then how do you, uh, what advice do you give people for getting back to their sexuality? It's funny because I did this a couple of years ago, this Facebook group that I'm part of was having these sort of like different like um, meetups in the park where they would bring like different sort of, you know, experts, I guess you would call them. And so a friend of mine who was running this group was like, would you come and like talk to moms about like postpartum sex? So I was like, of course I will. I'm so excited. Um, So I go and do that. And I'm talking to these, to these women in this park. And uh, there comes this moment where I start to talk about masturbation and how like normal it is and how like, that's one of the easiest ways to kind of get back into things because, you know, it's usually pretty quick. It's like, you know, you, you know, it's going to work for you. You're not going to get touched in any ways that don't feel right. Your, your body parts that you want to have avoided are avoided simply because you're in charge. And I couldn't have seen more scared or blanker looks on these faces than like if I had like painted them on myself. And so I was kind of like, what is nobody, is nobody getting this right now? You know? Um, so, you know, I was embarrassed number one for bringing it up, thinking that like people are going to be all over this. Like everybody's going to be excited to hear about like how, you know, they should just like get back into masturbating. And yes. instead it was like crickets. 
And, but I still maintain that that's probably one of the best things to start with just in terms of like, okay, uh, I just want to like have an orgasm, you know, I just want to like get off. Like that doesn't require a lot of work. Like forget the two hours of like cuddling and talking and, and different, you know, positions and things like that, that I talked about. This is like five minutes. Okay. Like you could probably fit that into your life with a baby, you know? Um, and it's something that like is completely controlled by the person doing it, you know, so nothing can really go wrong. Yeah. You know, so I think that that's a really good place to start. I'm always surprised when people don't seem like open about masturbation, because I feel like that's kind of a teenager thing that like a lot of, you know, women are like, I don't want to like, no, no one talked about that when I was a teenager. No girls talked about masturbation. We knew boys masturbated. Like that was a given. You learn that in sex ed. You're like, okay, boys masturbate, girls get their periods. Like that's yeah. where the right. separation is, you know? Right. right? Like, yeah, so weird that that's like <laughs> equivalent. I'm like, that doesn't make sense. Sex ed. That's wrong. Yeah. Anyway. <laughs> so, you know, I, I feel like as, as grownups now, I'm like, I think we can all just put it out there. And it's like, you know, secrets out. Everyone's yeah. touching themselves, you know? Like, yeah. Yeah. So and that's where I would, that's what I would suggest for people to start because yeah. I mean, you can't say like, Oh, start by ordering some like kinky sex toys on a website. Like just start by taking off your clothes first. Forget about getting redressed into a different outfit. You know, like that takes a lot of work and we don't have a lot of time. We don't have a lot of energy. So, you know, and I've given this advice to some of my friends who are postpartum. I'm like, have you just tried like lying naked with him in bed or her, whoever your partner is? Like sometimes just by the the sheer fact that your bodies are naked next to each other, it's really hard for something to not happen. But it's also okay if it doesn't, and you can kind of take it wherever you want to go. But just to even like laugh about, like, let's just go lie naked together, <laughs> you know, like no expectations. It's not like, okay, tonight's the night, we're going to do it, you know? Yeah. It's just like, let's put our phones down and, and be naked together, you know? I love so, those two things. That yeah. is amazing. I was thinking before this interview, like, what I was trying to think of what advice I would give as well. And Mm -hmm. basically the same two things. Yay. (laughs) Um, So one is with your partner to kind of take sex off the table, at least to start with Mm -hmm. and say, yeah, let's just be naked together or let's give each other back rubs. Let's just be naked together and focus on each other. And you can even set a time like 10 minutes or something. If you feel like I don't have a lot of time, I want to try the sleeping. You can set a timer. I'm a big fan of timers when it comes oh, to yeah. sex or I'm pleasure. I'm like the opposite of that. <laughs> Not like, oh, we have 10 minutes to have sex, but like, right. let's just do something. And the timer yeah. sometimes helps people feel safe because they know that there's not going to be further pressure or that it's not going to you know, take two hours when they really only wanted to spend 10 minutes doing it or whatever. So in that, that's kind of what I mean by I'm a fan of timers is you can do things in a safe container kind of, right. If you're afraid of getting too overwhelmed or that it'll go too long. And, um, something that helped my husband and I for sure is masturbation time. Like you were saying, so he would take the baby and I knew that I had 20 minutes or half an hour to masturbate and vice versa. Like we supported each other in masturbation. That took a a little while to 
to get to. But once we got there and figured that out, it really worked for us. And And that's a huge thing because, you know, most people in like committed relationships where you're living together, there somehow seems to be this expectation that like now nobody masturbates. And if you do, it's got to be like hidden from the other person because the implications would be that like they're not pleasing you or you want to just do it yourself. So like, what does that mean about them? You know? And I'm always like, what is that? (laughs) What? Like, what? No, sometimes it's just fast and easy. And like, I don't like next time. It takes a lot less effort sometimes or um, you can masturbate when you're tired, but having sex when you're tired is sometimes a little overwhelming. Right. Et cetera, et cetera. So I totally agree. And masturbation after you have a baby is a really good way to re-explore your body on your own, like in your own time. Yeah. So I really, really love that you brought that up. And even just to find pleasure in your body without the pressure of having an orgasm or the pressure of like, I don't know, so many things that we put pressure on ourselves about during sex. Yeah. Um, And also, I mean, you know, our relationships do change with our bodies as well, you know, for sure in terms of like, yeah, when you're, when you're, pregnant and then you give birth and then the, you know, the few months afterwards and, you know, depending if you're breastfeeding or not, like there's so many things going on with your body that like, sometimes it's nice to just figure out what it all means now before you bring it to, you know, somebody else, because I don't know. I mean, like I have a partner right now who is like very grabby of, you know, body parts and just regularly. And also during sex, you know, specifically with like, a belly roll or something. And it's taken me like a long time. I, you know, I haven't had a baby in eight years. Right. So it's like, I still have a postpartum body. And the fact that like this body gave birth twice, I'm a, I have a mom's body. Like these stretch marks are not going anywhere. I have this little belly still same belly. I've always had my whole life signature, you know, move here, just this belly roll. But like it, it takes me, I think some time to go, Oh, right. His, like desire for me and these body parts is not connected directly to the way I feel about it. Yeah. Right. So like, I have to say to myself, like if he wants to grab my belly and like growl and thinks, (laughs) thinks it's really sexy. I have to try to be like, he thinks this is sexy and it's not like for me, my instinct is like, no, my belly. Right. And he's like, no, I love it. And so it's like this kind of battle of like, okay, I have to understand that like the way that I'm viewed is not the same way I'm viewing myself. And it doesn't mean to do things that you don't want to do, but just to kind of be open to like, if this person is like loving this body that is showing up as is like, maybe I should take a cue from them and also love this body that's showing up like this, you know? Yeah. I think that's really important too, because a lot of women tend to be their own worst enemy in terms of how they're feeling. And like a lot of partners are just kind of like, you're here. That's great. That's enough for me. I love yeah. it. You know, you're totally sexy. Do I don't thing. care about the things. I don't care. Right. About you know, and we're like, oh, don't yeah. look at me, you know, yeah. like, oh, my body's different, you know? And it's, and it's funny too, because, you know, getting older and, you know, of course like being married and then being separated and, and now, being, you know, 15 years older than I was when I first met my ex-husband and got married. It's like, okay, so now these, these partners are also that much older and their experiences are a little bit different also to the point where they're like, I, 
I'm not expecting you to look like you're 23 years old, <laughs> you know, cause you're, you're 37. So like, of course you have a body of a 37 year old. Right. And it's like, Oh, right, right, right. Cool. We're all getting older together. Yes. Like everyone is getting older. Everybody's yeah. bodies are changing. Like, you know, if you haven't had a baby, your body's still going to change. If, if you are in a body that doesn't give birth to babies, like a man's body, for example, also going to change. Yeah. You know, they're dealing with all the same weird stuff that we are too. So it's kind of like, it gets, I think sex to me gets kind of lighter and funnier as yes. you get older. Totally. Less serious, more comfortable. Yes. You're also more yes. comfortable in your own body, in your own skin. Right. Yeah. And like having it's much kids- less like pornographic yeah. in terms of like, look at all these things that we're doing because we're, we've just like learned about them. And so now we're going to play them out and we're going to kind of explore and we're going to put on like this, like show for each other. Meanwhile, now, like when you're older, you're like, here's this thing I really like to do that might not look like anything you've ever seen, but it kind of works for me. So like, let's just go with it. And the other person's like, okay, cool. Whatever's easiest. Totally. I know. So funny. Sex totally gets better when you're older. I think. I mean, yeah, that's been my experience anyway. I hope so. I mean, I'm only getting older, so (laughs) let's hope it continues in that direction. (laughs) You need to do a sexuality after 60 because I want to know what happens then. Yeah, I'm planning on it. (laughs) Oh, awesome. Yeah. I'm I'm looking for um, some people to interview. So if you know anybody, let me know. Call my mom. (laughs) Yeah. Hey, if she'd be into it, you know, let me know. (laughs) She might be. Um, Yeah. Speaking of your partner, that was something I was thinking about too, is that comes into play with sex after having a baby or sex as parents is that, you know, the partner is also dealing with a lot of stuff like no sleep, um, having this new baby around and all the things you have to learn. Um, the added responsibility, a lot of times of being the sole you know, financial provider, at least maybe during a certain amount of time or just the responsibility of having a baby. And that can like, a lot of times guys don't want to have sex either. And sometimes it can be the opposite. Maybe she feels horny and he's not into it. And then it's like, Oh, well, what's wrong with me? And like, that can happen too. Yeah. Or maybe neither of you wants to have sex for a year. Like that's also normal. So I just want (laughs) to normalize like guys don't, always want to have sex all the time necessarily. No. And I mean, there's so many different reasons that I've definitely heard this a lot as well. And like, it can, it can just start to like, whatever our routine is, like it does become a routine. So if a routine after having a baby involves like all of the attention constantly being on the baby, like partners also, you know, like husbands, whoever, wives, whoever didn't physically give birth, like they can also be kind of looking around going like, where's my attention? And the less attention that I get, the less I even maybe need, or the more focused I am on the baby, the less sexy I feel. And also like anybody could look around and go, whoa, what just happened to our carefree fun life? And like, that can be a libido killer for anybody, right? Like walking into a house and you're like, why does it faintly smell like you know and like what's with all the dishes in the sink and and your entire cool living room is now turned into a playground and you're like what the hell you know it doesn't create a very sexy atmosphere you know so for sure there are men who are also like I'm just tired and I'm just like overwhelmed with you know coming home to this you know insanity and it's like 
that is not hot for most people. Like we talked about, yes. you know, how you can see parents be like, that's super hot. Not when it's in your house. Like usually when it's in your own house, you're like, this is not very hot. This is actually like such a mood killer because all I want to do is like get this shit cleaned up and then like get into bed and turn on the TV. Like, yeah. you know, and that can happen for both people. So especially when it's a combination of the two, I mean, geez, like yeah. you could just be like that forever until someone goes, wait a minute, we should we be having sex? Yeah. Like, what are we supposed to do now? How do we even get back into it? You know? And I think too, like the longer it goes on, you know, and this for sure happened to me, like it almost got to the point where I was like, I'm like uncomfortable being sexual now with my husband because we haven't done it in so long. It's like, I'd rather have sex with a stranger who like, you know, doesn't know anything about me at this point because like, I don't know how to act anymore. Like, I don't know how to be like, who am I? Like, you know, it's just like, it just got to be such a, you know, like psychological, like mind fuck of like, I don't know, like who I am, you know, and, and so many layers, you know? Yeah. Cool. Um, yeah, I think the big take, like something that I'm kind of taking away from this conversation is that no matter what your experience is, it's normal. <laughs> basically <laughs> like yeah. you're not the only one we never mm-hmm. are with sexuality or anything else right. and but I don't know like it's so important to have compassion on ourselves and not shame ourselves or judge ourselves over what our sex life is or isn't doing what our sexuality where it is or isn't and also to communicate with your partner Easier said than done, I think. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I think it's, you know, sometimes it seems for some people anyway, that like, this is something that shouldn't require work, or that shouldn't be at the top of our list of priorities, especially after we have a baby, because like, babies are very important. Babies are, you know, everything. And so it's like, once we start to add the babies and then all the responsibilities that come with them, you know, like the money stuff and the daycare stuff and the, you know, what, like making sure you're always like doing the best thing for this baby, like so much focus goes there that it's like sex, like, wait, that's something that people without babies worry about. Like that's something that you focus on (laughs) when you don't have other things to think about, you know? Um, And people kind of knock it down the list and like kind of the further it falls, like the less likely you are to get there. So, you know, even to say like, oh, communicate with your partner, you know, about your sex life, people are like, oh, I got to communicate with them about a whole lot of other stuff first, you know? And it does start to, for some people becomes like way less and less of a priority. Um, You know, and then of course, if someone's bringing it up all the time, the other person's like, come on, like focus on what matters here. Like that's not necessarily what we need to be thinking about. Um, But at the end of the day, like you do, if you want to have a long lasting, you know, relationship with your sexuality and and the person that you're with obviously but like yeah yeah, you can't just kind of like put it in a drawer and leave it there for 10 years and hope that it's still there you know like that happens with clothes I haven't worn and then I'm like oh was there a mouse that like chewed a hole through this entire (laughs) dress that I thought I was gonna wear like you know you gotta you gotta make sure that you like take it out and air it out every once in a while otherwise like I don't know what it's gonna look like yeah which is one reason why masturbation again is good because mm. when you have not, when you don't have a lot of time, you can still, you know, take, 
five or 10 or 20 minutes to masturbate. Right. Yeah. And it and also, I think, <laughs> yeah. It, it, and it reminds you, oh yeah, this feels good. Cause most people, when they do, like if they are struggling, let's say with, with having sex, like most people are reminded in those 10, 15 minutes afterwards, like, oh, we should do this more often. Like this totally. was fun. Right. And so most of that is because yeah, you're feeling great. It was nice. It was fun. It was a good time. Um, and so for sure, if you're, if you're masturbating, like that's at least one way for your body to kind of like keep, oh yeah, right. This feels good. You know? So like, it's kind of a muscle in a way, like the more you do it, the more you're going to want to do it, the less you do it, the less you want to do it, you yeah. know? And so, and it becomes easier to kind of get into it, I think. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it, it's, yeah. it's hard. Yeah, it is hard. Um, masturbating together is also a good, like halfway point. If people ever think about that, it's like, well, I don't really want to have sex right now per se, but I'd be happy to make out with you and tickle your balls while you masturbate or like, (laughs) you know, whatever. And then maybe you can rub my back after rub my feet or like, you can find a way to be close and intimate Mm -hmm. without having to have sex. If that's a big deal for whatever yeah. reason, like if you're sore or you're just really tired or whatever, there's always, yeah. there's ways that both people can get their needs met, I guess. Yeah. I think too, just like, you know, for sure. It's a different thing. If someone's like, I really don't want to physically, like for many reasons, that's totally fine. But I think sometimes like we almost have to trick ourselves kind of like with the lying naked together thing. But also then you mentioned massage. And I always just think about like, anytime a couple is like giving each other a massage, like it kind of almost always leads to some sort of sex, you know, because it's like, Oh, should I take your pants off for this? You know, and then it's like, (laughs) it, it starts off innocently enough, which is like fun and playful. And I think like, it's all about sort of taking the pressure off of things. Cause as soon as we put pressure and expectations, it's like very heavy, very loaded. If this goes wrong, there's going to be problems. Right. But if, if it wasn't meant to be sex in the first place, then nothing can really go wrong because we were just massaging, you know? And then if it does turn into a sexual experience, like, Yay, fun, great, unexpected. That adds a little bit of spontaneity to things, I guess, you know? Um, But also just like, okay, no one gets their feelings hurt if this is just a massage. Because As long as you have the expectation that it's just a massage. Yeah, right? (laughs) But that's what I mean. Like, just suggest, like, you know, like, let's give each other massages, but like, just massages. And everyone's like, okay, just massages. (laughs) You know? And it could totally just be massages. Like, you could be like, thank you, good night. Like, I've fully fallen asleep after a massage. Like, bye, whatever. Thanks a lot. (laughs) Of course. And that's totally okay. Yeah. 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 I think it, I think it's just the mounting pressures that, that people have after having a baby, like the way that mothers feel with just like the weight of the world, like the last thing that you want to add to that pile is sex because sex is supposed to be like the fun thing that we have in life. You know, there's also just like a lot wrapped up in in all of that because like for most people, you know, sex got you into this (laughs) trouble in the first place, you know? So you're like, Oh, PTSD from, you know, that time we had sex and then had a baby and now we have this baby that never sleeps, you know? So there's that too. Yes. (laughs) Awesome. (laughs) Um, Is there anything else that you 
kind of wish that we had talked about or that you want to mention about sex after motherhood? Hmm. I mean, I think for me, the big takeaway is just like being as open-minded as possible about what things could look like um, and being really patient. You know, we're in this world where we want everything to get sorted out immediately you know and and as you know when you have a baby like that's not how babies work they don't operate in this world this like 21st century world that we're living in they don't do things when you want them to do things they don't sleep when you want them to sleep they don't hit the milestones when they're supposed to and like neither will you you know so if you're putting all of these expectations on like okay by six weeks I'll be able to start exercising and you know fucking my husband again like okay hold on a second like you might not do either of those things and it might be six months before you want to do that kind of thing and you will probably never fit into those pre-pregnancy genes because your body is actually on a skeletal level different than it was before you gave birth so like that's a thing you know and to just kind of like remind people that you know as soon as you start to place like markers of where you think you're supposed to be what are you going to do you're going to probably disappoint yourself you're going to get frustrated that's not sexy so if we're talking about sex i think it should really just be like you know focus on where you're at like and be honest about how you're feeling because i think there is like a little bit of shame involved in like the feeling horny or the not feeling horny you know and neither of those things are shameful right? Like it it, it does go back to just like, you know, your relationship with yourself, but also like how comfortable you are with what's going on to just kind of like, you are fully in this physical experience during pregnancy and childbirth. And then afterwards, there's no getting away from your own body at that point, you know? So just being really focused on like, what do I want? How do I feel? Hey, cool. I'm horny. Like, okay, cool. You're horny. You got to go tell your partner if you want them involved, you know, like they're not just going to read your mind because maybe the last five times you haven't been. So they're giving you some space and it doesn't mean that it's a rejection. And that doesn't mean that you rejected them. But like, you know, I, I, th- I don't even know if this is a real product, but I, I saw some kind of ad for it. And it was basically just like, each couple has like a little button that they push on, on something. And then like when both people push it, it like lights up. And I don't know if it was like something to do with, I don't know, (laughs) a song or entertainment and it might be a sex related toy. I don't know, but I'm like, this is genius because sometimes it's just nice to be able to be like, boop, (laughs) like I had a thought about sex or even to just text, you know, the person that you're with to be like, Hey, like, I'm feeling pretty horny right now. Like I wish this baby would go to sleep or, you know, like whatever way is easiest for you to communicate. Some people don't feel comfortable just being like, I want to have sex right now. You know, some people are like, he'll read my body language and my mind. No, no, he won't. (laughs) No, no, (laughs) you are not psychic. (laughs) Right. You give, you give people way too much credit when you think that. (laughs) Exactly. You know? So I think like, as long as, as you're realistic about, you know, what life is going to be like afterwards, and then actually just like kind of sink into that and go like, okay, things are different. You know, I knew I'm not going to get my three hour sex sessions with a newborn. That's just not going to happen, you know? And you just have to like, be totally honest with, with how you're feeling, what you want, you know, which again, easier said than done. Yes, absolutely. Um, Sometimes it's also easier for people to have 
like a code word for sex because that sometimes can keep it light and funny like uh, I don't know if you it's it has to be something that you wouldn't normally say so it could be like <laughs> tiger ice cream could be your code word for sex and you're right. like hey do you feel like eating some tiger ice cream or like oh, I feel like a tiger ice cream cone or something and it's just kind of yeah I know a few people do that and it, it just kind of keeps it's it light playful like playful, I think it yeah. really just is about like taking off that pressure of like, hi, do you want to go fuck now? And then the other person's like, uh, you know, but if it's, if it's said in a more playful way, or if, or if it's introduced in a way that like, again, isn't so much pressure. Cause I think that that's what a lot of moms are feeling. It's just like, wow, another thing to check off my list. Now I've got to make sure this other person is happy and fulfilled. And like, I spent the whole day making sure this tiny little, you know, asshole roommate that moved in is happy and fulfilled (laughs) like now when they go to bed I have to make sure the other person is too like man that's a lot of work you know but if it's presented in a way of like oh we could have some fun together you're like oh I like fun fun sounds fun (laughs) you know yeah and for moms (laughs) to ask themselves what do I want like what would I actually really enjoy if I don't want sex what might I enjoy oh I might enjoy um mutual masturbation or I might enjoy a massage and what might I enjoy doing with my husband or my partner? Oh, I could actually really get into making out with him while he masturbates or I could really get into this. And so there's, you know, yeah, there's always options. Yeah. And like, I don't know. I mean, if there's this huge divide between someone with a big sex drive and someone who, you know, is experiencing a lower sex drive, I feel like the person with the the bigger sex drive has to be the one to kind of, um, like create the mood and not just show up expecting there to be some totally. sort of inner experience for them, you know? So yeah. it's like, Oh, you, the one who wants sex all the time. Like, why don't you make it so that there's something sexual that can happen here? Yes. Like, you know, and unfortunately like in, you know, hetero relationships, women, most of the time are the planners. We're the romantic types. We're the ones who are doing all of like that behind the scenes work to like make something really like, you know, to have clean sheets on the bed, you know, to like have stuff organized so that we're not thinking about a million things, you know? And it's like, imagine if someone else did all that work for us and we could just show up and like, just totally get, you know, sexed Be up. pampered. Like, yeah. Yeah. You know, like I would show up if someone was like, oh, by the way, everything's done. Like all the, all the stuff in the house is done. And like, I also paid the bills and like, now I just want to like take you to the bedroom and like eat you out. I'm like, okay, like, I guess I can't say no to that. You know, exactly. But that's not usually how people are presenting it. They're like, I want to have sex and you never want to have sex. And you're like, oh, we have to have this conversation. Like why? Cause it's pressure. It's not fun. You know? So hopefully if any, like, higher sex drive partners slash men, which is so hopefully they listen to this and clue in. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, is like, there any other advice? Take a sound bite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> is there any one other... minute? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, any other advice you'd give uh, men or partners? Oh, I wish that there was some way for me to just access like all the partners and men, you know, to, and like host some sort of webinar for them. But of course they would never sign up willingly for something like that for themselves. Um, I mean, I have a lot of advice for them and, and I think, you know, most of the time it's just, just showing up, you know, especially as it relates to just like 
having a child, um, you know, when I teach prenatal classes, I tell partners who are, I would say 98% of the time in my classes, it's a man. Um, I say, you know, there's nothing sexier than taking initiative. Like that is the hottest thing that any person can do. Right. (laughs) And most people, like when we talk about like love languages, you know, for people who are familiar with that, like for a lot of people, uh, love language is kind of all wrapped up in like acts of service, like people doing something for you, you know, and, and it could be like cooking a meal. It could be buying a present. It could be taking care of that errand. It could be whatever it is. But I think that, you know, when we start to have this divide of like, you know, typically male partners helping with the parenting, uh, you know, it puts this weird division in terms of like, who's responsible for the things in the home and who's the helper in the home. And like, that's not hot to me. You know, what's really hot is, is someone who shows up and goes, it's already done. <laughs> did it. Yeah. And you're like, Oh my God, did it. Like, let's go and I'll do you, yes. you know, yes. because like <laughs> you did the thing. Like I didn't have to do anything no management required. Like, woo, that frees up time and energy for me and my brain to go other places. Yeah. You know? So I think that's a huge thing. It's just like, when people show initiative and men love that too. Like when, when women do that, you know, it doesn't matter what kind of couple that you're in, but like when people go, Hey, I did that thing for you. You're like, Oh my God. Yes. Yeah. It's never a bad thing, you know? So it can only improve whatever else is happening in the house. hundred percent. Yeah. Super sexy. I know. So hot. So hot. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Like it's already done. That's like foreplay for me. I'm like, Oh my God. It is. Yeah. It's true though. Yeah. Um, your partner taking responsibility and I don't know how to explain it. Like maybe it's just taking responsibility for things is really hot. Yeah. Yeah. I got this. You're like, yeah. Well, yes. In that case, I have some time and you're turning me on right now. (laughs) Yeah. Like I don't have to do something. (laughs) Now you're speaking my language, (laughs) you know? Totally. (laughs) Yeah. Because I mean, with a baby does come a long list of daily repeated, you know, to do's that are never ending. Um, And so, yeah, like that's an endless to do list that never, you know, ongoing is not hot like that that does not get most people going like oh my god i'm never going to complete my to-do list no sense of accomplishment ever hard to really pinpoint what it is that i do around here and what i've accomplished for a lot of people who who thrive on checking stuff off of a list and making sure all the you know t's are crossed and whatever you know like that is like okay like what is this? Some endless hamster wheel of nonsense? Like what? You know, and, and you don't get a sense of like, wow, look at me. Like I'm killing it. I'm, I've got this, you know, and that's a part of where a lot of people get their self-esteem from and self-esteem is normally connected to, you know, how you feel about every part of yourself, how you look to the world around you, you know, and if you go out and you're like, oh, I am a useless mom and everyone looks at me like I am trash because I'm in my old Navy t-shirt and my yoga pants. <laughs> when you get home, you're not like, hey, <laughs> sexy mama's back. <laughs> you know, yeah. it's just like you get home and you're like covered in poop and just like 
<laughs> just want to go to bed and have a nap, you know? Yeah. Yeah, totally. <laughs> <laughs> I have been there. I think parenting sounds so depressing, but <laughs> it's not that bad. <laughs> <laughs> no, we know that there's also amazing things about it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, cool. So to end with, I wanted to ask you, what is one thing you wish you knew as a teenager about sex or sexuality? I love this question. Um, Cause I personally feel like a lot of my own ideas about sexuality come from those formative teenage years, right? Where a lot of our ideas about sex are, are kind of bubbling to the surface. Um, and I think what I wish I knew back then was that my sexuality and my my desire to explore it doesn't have anything to do with the people that I'm with or their, I guess, ideas about who I am as a sexual person. Because I took a lot of my, I guess, um, worth or value as as a sexual being from other people's ideas of me. Uh, and I think that definitely changes when you get older, when you realize like, I can be exactly who I am and see myself the way I want to be seen, regardless of how someone else wants to view me. Like, I, I don't get sexier because other people want me, you know, and that's, I think, hard, obviously, as a teenager, because everything is about how the world around you is looking at you and how they see you. It's very hard to be completely, you know, centered in your in your sense of self. But I would definitely go back and be like, Megan, like, you can be, you know, super sexual and open minded about sex and all those things. But you don't need to go and like, take that out on everybody around you to prove that, you know, those are not connected. Yes, it is amazing. I could not have put it better. I love that. Yeah. And that's really powerful. I don't know how you communicate that to kids as they grow up, but I am definitely going to try. Yeah. (laughs) Definitely going to try to teach my kids that because it's so true. Your sexuality is yours. Yeah. Yours. Yeah. It doesn't have, have to have anything to do with anybody else. No. You can share it, but it's yours. First and foremost. Exactly. So go masturbate. <laughs> so go masturbate. This is this is our call to action to yes. all parents yeah. and non-parents. I'm always joking. Anytime I say something that's like a one-liner, I'm like, I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. And now I'm like, I'm going to put that on a t-shirt. Go masturbate. Like, that's go the masturbate best. t-shirts. I love it. Yeah. I really want one too. Yeah. I'll let you know. (laughs) Okay. All right. Well, thank you so much. I loved this podcast. I've loved talking to you. I feel like we could be pretty good friends if we lived in the same city. I know. (laughs) I feel like that about so many people. I'm like, why? But even if you lived in this city, I probably wouldn't be able to see you right now anyway. I know. Not with COVID. (laughs) It's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you. I'm glad you enjoyed it too. Thank you for listening to and subscribing to Sexuality After. A new episode comes out every second Tuesday. You can watch these podcasts as well on my YouTube channel, Tea with Phoebe D. And if you have a story to share, I'm always open and excited to have more amazing conversations. So please contact me via my information in the episode notes. 
If you want to find out more about me and my coaching, you can find me on the aforementioned YouTube channel or www.phoebed.com. If you want to know more about my interviewee or the things we talked about in this podcast, check out the episode notes on your podcast app. I hope you accept and love your humanity and sexuality a bit more after listening to this episode. See you in two weeks.